Active FM presents Food for Thought with Pastor Kevin and Pastor Vicky Anston. Let's pray. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to my life, that you administer to my heart. I pray that your word would be revealed to me today in a way that I can understand it, so that I can speak it and do it and see it change my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're continuing with our series, A Wise Man Once Said, and today the sermon's entitled, It's Good to Know That Life's Not Fair. So I don't know how many of you have complained in the last seven days about life not being fair. I remember, um, you know, that uh, when I was growing up, I used to complain, that's not fair, and my father would always say, life's not fair. And then I'd say, but that's unfair, it's too bad, so sad. But I want to tell you today, when we look at today's passage, we're going to understand that we should be very glad that life's not flair. And um, it builds on from what we spoke about last week, which was it's so simple to believe in Jesus. We looked at that video of Todd White where he goes to that soldier there in Jerusalem and he speaks to him and then it turned out that that soldier was shot by a terrorist about 30 minutes after that. And I want you to think about every single person that you know if you don't share the gospel with it, you don't know that they might die 30 minutes later. And um, we also then went on and looked at, at the belief in Jesus, understanding that there's a difference between uh, um, doubt and unbelief. Unbelief is not the same as doubt. Romans 4 verse 20, speaking about Abraham, says, Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. So even Abraham, in Genesis 15, you go to look at the story of Abraham, he doubted. But when God showed him the stars and said, that's how many descendants you, you, you will have, he believed God. He believed the promise of God. And God credited that to him as righteousness. So I want you to realize when you are in a dark place like Abraham was, and God takes you outside and he shows you the stars, if you believe God, that gets credited to you as righteousness. He chose to believe. And, and what is unbelief? Unbelief is a rejection of belief. It's when you decide not to believe. Doubt is when you, your faith is failing you. So there is a big difference between that. And Abraham's faith did not waver in unbelief because he was fully persuaded. In Romans 4, 20 and 21, Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. And do you believe that God has, has the power to do what he's promised you? Do you believe that God has the power to save you from your sin? Do you believe that God has the power to heal, to heal you, to heal someone else you might be praying for? Are you fully persuaded like Abraham was? God will take you outside and he will show you the stars if you're open to him, if you're willing to read his word and willing to hear him. He will be there. He will be supernaturally involved in your life if you will just trust him. Are you willing to believe the promise of God that you will have an eternity in heaven where you will rule and reign with the Lord Jesus Christ because of your faith in Him? Are you fully persuaded? The result of all of this is that when we believe the promises of God, we are supernaturally, I want to say that again, supernaturally, it means it's beyond nature. It's beyond this world that we live in. We are supernaturally strengthened in our faith and that we too can be credited with righteousness. Righteousness. 
In Romans 4, 23 and 24, the words, it was credited to him, were written, listen to this, this is awesome. They were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. Think about that for a second. In Genesis 15 verse 6, Abraham believed God and God credited that to him as righteousness. And what does, Abraham, what does Paul say? That promise isn't just for him. It's for us. For any of those of us that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. This is the good news. The good news is that we will never be forsaken by God. Psalm 22 verse 1a, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that was a prophecy of what Jesus would say on the cross. When the Father turned his back on Jesus because our sin was on him. We will never be forsaken like Jesus was. We will never be rejected like Jesus was. No matter who may reject us in this world. No matter who may reject us wherever we go. God will never reject us. We always have Him available to us if we will open our hearts and open our eyes to Him. Ephesians 3 verse 17 to 19. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So that Jesus may live, may set up residence in your heart. That His address may be your heart. That His address may be you. That His address may be the very source of your life through what? Faith. What is faith? You believing His promises. And that you being rooted and grounded in love. In other words, love is the very source of your life. Like a tree that is rooted and grounded in a piece of earth. So you are rooted and grounded in love. Your sustenance, your everything comes from Him. And that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Imagine being filled up to all the fullness of God in Jesus' name. And now we get on to what we're talking about today. It's good to know that life's not fair. Even if you might not understand this, I want to read to you from Romans 5, 1 to 11, which says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. We glory in our sufferings. We glory in our sufferings. We happy to suffer. Yes? No. No. But if we know what Paul's talking about, we will glory in our sufferings. Why? We glory in our sufferings because we know, we're only going to glory in our sufferings if we know something. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character hope. Without hope, your life is a mess. Suffering produces perseverance, perseverance produces character, and when you have character, now you have hope. If you have no hope, if you're sitting there hopeless, you have no character. You need some suffering. So get some hope. The more hope you get, maybe some of the suffering will be taken away. Tell the person next to you, I think we need some hope today. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Yet very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
Since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through faith in Him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through His life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. If you know and understand what that's talking about, you're going to give the Lord the biggest shout of praise right now. Because that is the gospel right there. I want you to give the Lord the biggest shout of praise. Because actually, basically right now, we could go home. We could switch off the stream. We could do whatever we need to do. Because at the end of the day, that is such an exciting passage. Now, when you think about that passage, there's a slogan that I've heard many times in the United States. Normally when riots are taking place, and they're taking place because African Americans are upset because someone has been brutalized by the police or something. And in those riots and in those demonstrations, they would go around and they'd shout the slogan, no justice, no peace. No justice, no peace. No justice. And they always do it with like a rhythm. You know, Americans do everything with a rhythm. No justice, no peace. No justice, no peace. You understand what I'm saying? It's different to our sort of toy toy and all of that kind of stuff. But what they're saying is that in order for there to be peace, in order for there to be law and order, there must be justice first. You cannot have peace, they're saying. You cannot have law and order, they're saying, if you do not have justice first. Now, when I say this, many people would say, yeah, but now you're saying a political thing. I'm not saying whether I agree with that or not. I have my own views on that. But I also want to tell you that God has the same position. (laughs) There can be no peace where there is no justice. Now, it's not like the demonstrators who are going and they're pointing at other people. You see, God points at the whole world and he says, if there's no justice, there will be no peace. Now, here's the thing. We mentioned last week, where there is sin, there is injustice. The problem with sin is there is injustice. It cannot go unpunished. That's why there's a place that people can go to which isn't so kosher after they die. To have peace with God requires that the situation has to be just, which means there is justice. We all have sin. Every one of us We had sin from the moment we were created. We inherited sin. So therefore, because of our sin, we are almost an act of injustice. The moment we can start talking, we start lying. The moment we can start reaching out with our hands, we start stealing. Because it's in our DNA. And God cannot have a relationship with someone where there's injustice. And if we, if, we, if we cannot have a relationship with him because of sin and because of injustice, there can be no peace. The greatest gift that we can have on earth is to have peace with God because we've been separated from God by the injustice of sin. And so what the Bible says is that by the blood of Jesus, by the blood that the Lord Jesus Christ shed on the cross of Calvary, we are justified before God. We've been justified. And I want you to think about that word justified. The original Greek word, it says to render, that is to show or regard as just or innocent. So what this is saying 
is that by faith in Jesus, we are rendered just or innocent. We put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, He makes us just or innocent. If we're innocent of sin, now it's possible for us to have peace with God. And God can now say His own slogan. There's now justice, so He has peace. There's now justice, so He has peace. Can you see Him walking around? There's now justice, so now He has peace. There's now justice, so now He has peace. And when He does this, He's not just holding up a fist, He's holding up a cross. The justice was done on the back of Jesus. He was, be- he was beaten. And our justice was, was, was given by the beating that He received. He was smashed for us. Our justice and our peace is given to us by the death that he suffered on the cross. Our peace is given because he went to Hades and he broke open the gates and he freed those inmates who were waiting for the Lord. But when we think about Jesus when he died, here's the important thing. We all like to make like we're innocent. We all like to complain about the sin of others. We all like to uh, judge and demand justice. We all like to walk around the streets when we feel we've been injured and shout, no justice, no peace. But Jesus didn't die for the innocent. I know we think we're innocent, but Jesus didn't die for the incident, for the innocent. You see, in Romans 5 verse 6, listen to what he said there. He said, you see, at just the right time, at just the right time for you, at just the right time for you, at just the right time for me, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Jesus died for those who were ungodly. It's not like we were good people waiting for Jesus to save us. It's not like we were sitting there all holy, you know, being like meek little lambs, always telling the truth, never stealing, always working hard, always worshiping God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, never coveting what someone else says. Never committing adultery, not even with our minds. Never watching a movie we shouldn't watch. It's not like that's what we were doing. It's not like we were sitting there, oh, we, we're so desperate for a Savior, we realize that we are messed up before God. We were living our lives. We were going for it. We were living our lives and we just wanted to party. We just wanted to steal stuff because our passion said we wanted this thing. We just wanted to make money. And we didn't care whose faces we stood on to make it. We just wanted to have sex without the marriage. We just wanted to gain power. And it didn't matter what lies we had to tell in order to gain power. We went to image consultants, so we created an image of ourselves in order to gain power. An image like that is a lie. We wanted to live in pleasure. What does everyone want? Everyone wants that Kim Kardashian picture. Take Instagram photos, do this, do that, lounge around, swim, have a fight on TV. We all want that life. That's why people would watch that show. And we didn't care if what we wanted was right. We, We didn't care. We just wanted what we wanted, and we wanted it then. 
I mean, we can sit here and be all nice and say, no, no, that, that's the people out there. That's the people who are not in the, in, in the service here at Selby. That's the people that are not there in the service at Henley. That's the people who are not there at one of the other sites. You know what I mean? That's for the people who are not part of the stream. That's for the people who are not listening to the audio. No, no, it's for, it's for those people. No, no, we, no, no, we, we weren't like that. Eh? We, we only wanted what was right. We, we only wanted what was really ours. We never tried to steal someone else's girlfriend or boyfriend. We never did that. Never. And then we'd be lying. We were just wanting what we wanted. We wanted it then. And then a Christian came and told us about Jesus. And you know what? Often they irritated us. (laughs) They told us about the gospel and we told them, you know what? You think you're all holier than thou. You think you're like a goody two-shoes. You know what? You just think you're better than us. We weren't interested. But the reality was, Jesus was dying for us, and we were powerless to do anything about our state before God. We were powerless to do anything about the fact that we had no peace before God. We were powerless to do anything about the fact that there was a death on the inside of us. We were in a pitiful state of sin and death. We were finished before God. We had no peace inside of ourselves because we had no peace with God. The Bible says, but at just the right time for us, at just the right moment, Jesus died for the ungodly. Yes, he died for us. Yes, us in the stream. Yes, us in Selby. Yes, us in Henley. Yes, us at one of the other sites. Yes, us on the stream. Yes, us. He died for us, each one of us. Just when we needed it, we encountered him. You see, the only difference between those of us who are walking around with this realization that we have the rights of God in Christ Jesus, with this realization that because we believe the promises of God, God credits that to us as righteousness. The only difference between us and someone who doesn't have that is that we've encountered Jesus. Have you encountered Jesus today? Jesus saved us and did something we'd never do for others. Look at Romans 5, 7 to 8. It says, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. I mean, how many of us would would die for someone that's righteous? Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. So some of us, the best of us, might just possibly die for someone that's righteous. Maybe. Just maybe we might do it. But God demonstrates his own love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, we like to say they deserved it. (laughs) We like to say, I'd never do that. Oh no, I'd never do that. Me? I can't believe what Sally did. I would never do something like that. But Jesus looked at us and he loved us so much that he didn't want to live eternity without us. And so while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, he did something for us. Now, what does that word sinner mean? The Greek word is amatelos. And what does it mean? It means you're devoted to sin. (laughs) Notice Paul says we, so he's including himself. If the apostle Paul is one of these, one of those who were devoted to sin, a sinner. Really, are we going to be that arrogant to say we weren't there? Devoted to sin, a sinner, not free from sin. 
preeminently sinful, especially wicked. We were preeminently sinful. We were especially wicked. And nowadays we turn wicked into a compliment. Hey, I don't know if that's still the case. It became a thing. That's wicked. means it's good. No, no, it means it's wicked. Wicked. Yeah, a good song. That's wicked. Ooh. Yes, we were especially wicked. Yet Jesus loved us above our sin. I want to say it again. Yet Jesus loved us above our sin. And if you really grab hold of that, if the Holy Spirit moves in your heart and you get a revelation of that, you're going to go, wow. Wow. Because until you've experienced that love, you don't know Jesus. I want to say that again. Until you've experienced that love, you don't know Jesus. You haven't encountered Jesus. And if that is you, I strongly recommend the life clause. I strongly recommend it because part of the life class tells you about the blood of Jesus and what the blood of Jesus has done for you. Until you know this, until you've experienced that love, until you've felt it, you don't know Jesus. Until you've felt that love, that incredible, unfailing love of Almighty God, you do not even know what love is, not what real love is. Jesus' love was so strong for us that he died so that he could be punished for our sin. You see, because of sin, we are supposed to die, and we are supposed to die forever. We are supposed to be in a place, because of our sin, where forever in eternity we're in a state of dying. We're in an eternal death. But you know what? Jesus came and said he died in our place. We'd never do for others what Jesus did for us. I mean, think about people that the worst of the worst things against you and then you go and die in their place so that they can get off scot-free of what they did to you. It's easy to say we would have, we, 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 you know, it's easy to say that we would have done it for them. It's easy to say that we'll forgive if we've done the same sin. We don't say it when, when someone's done it, what we think is a different sin to what we would have done. But just Jesus, he comes along, and he was without sin. And he had all the rights to judge, but he died for us instead. Thank God life's not fair. Because if life was fair, we'd be facing God with our sin. If life was fair, we'd be in a huge amount of trouble. I'm so glad life's not fair. It was so unfair that Jesus died for my sin. And how did this help us? Well, Jesus rendered us innocent with his own blood. He rendered us innocent with his own blood. Romans 5 verse 9. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? So we've been justified by his blood. Wow. You know when we say the, the confession... By the blood of Jesus, I have been justified and God sees me as if I've never sinned. You know, that's the verse that goes with that. Since we have now been justified by his blood, we've been made just. We've been made right. There's now justice so we can have peace. How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him?
You know, our life is in our blood. And Jesus' life was in his blood. This is what the Bible says. When his blood was shed for us, his life was shed for us. And when was his blood shed? His, his blood was shed when he started sweating in the Garden of Gethsemane. His blood was shed when he was beaten. First, his face was beaten to a point you couldn't even recognize he was a human. Then he was whipped and, and the blood was shed there. Then they pressed a crown of thorns into his head and blood was shed there. Then they put the nails in his hand and blood was shed there. They put nails in his feet and blood was shed there. And finally, after he'd already died, they shoved a spear in his side and blood and water flowed. Every drop of Jesus' blood was shed for us. And we are justified by his blood. Why is that important? Revelation 12, verse 10 to 11. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last. Salvation and power in the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accusers of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to the earth. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. You see, if you haven't been set free by the blood of Jesus, then you are being accused. And who's the accuser? It's the devil. You're defending yourself to people, but your biggest accuser is in your head. He's speaking in your ears. It's the devil. It's the enemy himself. He's accusing you day and night, all the time. Why are you so defensive all the time? Because the enemy is the, the accusing you. And he's throwing accusations in your head. And he's going to God and saying, yeah, look what he or she did. Yeah, look what he or she did. Yeah, look what he or she did. And then verse 11 is the powerful one, the powerful, powerful one. It says, And they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. They defeated him, them how? They defeated him, the devil, by the blood of the Lamb, by what Jesus did on the cross. And by their testimony. They testified. This is what the blood of Jesus did for us. This is what Calvary did for us. This is what salvation means to us. We are the rights of God in Christ Jesus. We believe the promises of God and God credits us with righteousness. They defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Have you laid your life down at the cross? You see, you can give your life to Jesus, you can be saved, and yet you can be experiencing hell on earth. You can be anxious, you can be fretting, you can be on antidepressant medication. Saved. Because you're afraid to die. Jesus, God's only begotten Son, was so concerned about sinners that he agreed to bear our sickness on his body so that he could give us his medicine he is our divine cure i want you to think about that for a second he is our divine cure and this comes from pastor cesar castellanos in his book just one drop of the blood of jesus you can get it on kindle i encourage you strongly to read that book this is the blood of redemption now the price for your redemption was incredibly high. Psalm 49 verse 7 and 8. No man can by any means redeem his brother or give to God a ransom for him. You cannot redeem anyone else and you cannot redeem yourself. We are beyond redemption. For the redemption of his soul is costly and he should cease trying forever. 
Hebrews 9.22c says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. You see, there has to be justice for there to be peace. There has to be forgiveness for there to be peace. People say, oh, God, I can't just, God just forgive people. Really? Really? You really want that? Think about that person you've got unforgiveness towards right now. God must just forgive them. Let them into heaven. Maybe they raped you or something like that. Really? Do you really mean that? I mean, some of us, we want to kill people. There's certain people we'd love to have dead. Some of us, if certain people succeed at anything or if they get blessed in anything, man, it just freaks us out. Eh? Why? We want justice. No, no. God has to be a God of justice. But by the shedding of the blood of Jesus, there's forgiveness. If you will receive it. Now, what does the word rede rede um, redemption mean? All right, the, the word, some of you have been on encounters, you know, agorazo, is to purchase in the market. And, and, and what, what that does is Jesus came with his blood and he purchased you out of the market where the devil has access to you. Or um, exaggerazo means to buy out of the market. And, and this is what happened when a slave was bought. A slave. So, so you're a slave to the devil. You're a slave to sin. You're a slave to the world. Jesus comes and he buys you out of that. Or lutro is to lose. To set free it after paying a price. So Jesus buys you out and he sets you free. He doesn't keep you a slave. You see, in order for you to stay there with Jesus, guess what has to happen? You've got to choose to stay there. He doesn't manipulate you. He doesn't force you. He gives you the choice. You can walk out at any time. That's real freedom. You know, when you get up in the morning and you read the word and you're praying, that's a choice. You do that by choice. That's real freedom. You have the freedom to do that. Or you have a freedom to be a slave. But before, before Jesus, you have no freedom. You don't have a choice. You're stuck there. Jesus gives you options. Romans 5, 10, 11 says this. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. Okay. So we were the enemies of God. Our sin made us the enemies of God. Understand that. We were the enemies of God. That's why there can be no peace without justice. We're his enemies. We're against him. He says, if while we were, we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? You see, Jesus is alive, guys. Jesus didn't stay in the grave. He rose from the grave. So if we were saved by his death, how much more will we be saved by, uh, by his life? And then verse 11, not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We have now received reconciliation. If you believe in Jesus, you have received reconciliation. But if you haven't received Jesus, you're in the same boat. And this is what I want to speak to you about today as we conclude the service. It's about the fact that, have you received reconciliation? Have you received this reconciliation? You see, it's available to everyone. But it only counts for those who've received it. It's a, it's a picture I've given before. If someone comes and they give you a gift, you only take possession of that gift if you receive it. If you reject the gift, the gift isn't yours. You see, when someone comes and gives you a gift, doesn't matter how much they want to give it to you, if you don't receive it, you do not have possession of it. 
And I'm asking you this morning, have you received the gift? Then God is telling you, do not reject the gift. For you do not know whether you're going to make tomorrow. And if you're not sure that you're right with God, then you need to, you need to really make a plan right now and receive Him right now. If you're, if you're thinking about this mountain of sin that's there between you and God, well done, welcome to reality, that's good. But Jesus doesn't want to leave you there. He says, my blood will wash all your sin away. All of the sin, all of the arguments that the enemy has against you, all of the arguments of the laws of God, the laws of men, whatever laws that are being held against you because of your sin will be washed away by the blood of Jesus. He will wash it away. His blood will soak it all away. And he will leave you standing righteous before God. If you're sitting there and maybe your life has no purpose, let me tell you, Jesus shed his blood, that his purpose... His eternal purpose can be opened up to you. You can begin living for His purposes today. You just got to know Him first. Or maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, wow, I really need to think about this. I'm going to go and think about this for a while. Jesus is saying, no, I've spoken to you now. Today is the day of your salvation. He's saying, some of you, if you don't respond today, you never will. You see, He's saying, I've had to peel back the curtains. Satan has had spiritual curtains over your spiritual eyes so that you haven't been able to see the gospel. So you haven't been able to understand the gospel. And he's saying to you, I've peeled this back today. If you don't receive me today, it's going to shut again. You might live another 30 years. You'll never have this opportunity again. Today is the day of your salvation. Romans 10 verse 8 to 9. But what does it say? This is how you get saved. The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I want to tell you today, Active Church, your destiny, your eternal destiny is at stake right now. Don't say, no, no, I'll wait, I'll pray at home. You need to come right now to the altar. You need to make that commitment right now. Because when you come to this altar of the Lord, and if you will surrender your life to the, to, to, to the Lord, it sanctifies everything. It makes you clean before God. And don't think you're going to have a more effective prayer time later. Now is the time. Now is the time. And, 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 and when you make this commitment, what you're saying to God is you're saying, Lord, this is the time. Lord, I'm making the decision right now. I want to commit to you right now. I want to submit my life completely to you right now. I can't wait until later. If I wait until later, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Lord, I'm desperate for you now. And so I want to commit to you right now. Right now. I want to live close to you from this day forward. I want to know that every step that I take from now on in my life, I'm close to you. Because I want to know that when my death comes knocking, I'm ready. I'm ready, and I, and, and I want to know that I have this assurance inside of my heart that Psalm 23 is true, is true, that even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you're there right beside me. I want to know that my death won't affect me because I have this assurance in my soul that I'm going to spend eternity with you. So right now I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And I want you really to think about where you stand. I want you to think about your life. And if the Lord is calling on you 
to either commit your life to Jesus for the first time or maybe to recommit your life to him. He's calling on you to respond. I want to encourage you to do so right now. And if you're here at Selby or at one of the sites, we're going to ask you in a moment to raise your hand. And if you raise your hand, we're going to pray with you. You're going to be given a slip of paper. We're going to ask you to fill that in. If you are watching online, we're going to ask you, please send a, an, an, email, an email to info at activechurch.org. That's info at activechurch.org. And say, I've given my life for the first time, or I'm recommitting my life to Jesus today. And leave us your contact detail. We'd love to be in contact with you. Or you could even make a comment on the video you're watching. And so right now, is there anyone, Yahweh at one of the sites, you want to give your life to Jesus, or you want to recommit your life to Jesus, just raise your hand right now. We're going to pray with you. I see hands that have gone up. Is there anyone else? The site leaders, if you can please check at your place, anyone that's raising their hands. Some more hands have gone up. I just want to say one last time, I just sense that the Lord is saying to, to someone this morning, you need to send that email. You need to send it now. You know the Lord's speaking to you. Or you need to raise that hand now. And you need to let someone know that you're making this decision. You see, part of it is we... We overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. The first testimony you give is when you give your life. And that you tell the people in the church where you've given your life or wherever you've given your life, you tell whoever's led you to the Lord, I've given my life, so that you're giving witness to what the blood of Jesus has done for you. And so one last time, is there anyone else, wherever you are, just raise your hand right now, because we're going to pray in a moment. Is there anyone else? Let's pray together. We've seen those hands. Now I want you to put your right hand on your heart and I want you to visualize Jesus. I want you to see him there at the cross. He's dying for you. His blood's being shed. I want you to see all the arguments that the enemy has against you because of sin. And it's a pile of papers that are indestructible, that are, that are lying at the foot of the cross. And then see that as the blood of Jesus falls off him, onto that stack of arguments, they begin to disintegrate. They begin to be destroyed. The damage is so severe to those arguments that it's as if they never exist. And what I'm asking the Holy Spirit to give you a revelation of right now is the fact that that blood that Jesus was shedding there for you, that that blood is just as powerful now today as it was over 2,000 years ago when Jesus died for you on the cross. It's absolutely unbelievable what he will do to your sin. The Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that his work, although the work was done 2,000 years ago, his work stands once and for all, for all people that receive him. And that blood was the price that was, that was paid. For the debt that we have before God and it will wash your sins away. Do you see it? Active church, do you see it? 
Let's pray together. I'm going to ask everyone to repeat after me. But those of you who have raised your hands, those of you that have sent the email, just mean this prayer. The Lord will not disappoint you. Let's pray together. Repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, today I recognize that I'm a sinner. I repent of everything I've done wrong. I renounce my life of sin. And I accept your sacrifice. And I know it was the price you paid for my redemption. And today, Lord, I ask that the blood of your wounded body would wash me today of all my rebellion, all my sin. Set me free from any wickedness, from any sickness, and from any pain. I accept that my debt has been paid. There is no outstanding balance. You paid everything for me on the cross of Calvary. I accept that by your blood I'm justified. And you see me as I've never sinned. And that by your blood I'm sanctified. You've chosen me to serve you. And I'm willing to serve you. Today, Lord, I open the door of my heart. And I invite you to come in as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. And giving me eternal life. I thank you, Jesus. Amen. In this world with these waves all around me Deep in the darkness where it's heartless I don't know if I can make it, I'll be honest And I'm fading, I'm fading Trapped and I feel like it ain't no escaping Down to the bottom, all these problems got me drinking My drown in this bottle, all this drama got me thinking If I had one call, would you answer it? Or would you take back all of your promises? Cause I don't know who to turn to or who to trust